Hey everybody, just jumping in before our usual intro starts uh, to give you all a content warning. For the second portion of this show from about 18 minutes in, we get into some pretty heavy topics such as mental health, loneliness, suicide and battles with a cancer diagnosis. I just wanted to jump in, there is a content warning before that section starts, but if you feel like missing this episode altogether, that's totally okay. Thanks everybody. Hey everyone, my name's Dalt. I'm really excited to welcome you to the Up Your Street podcast. If you haven't tuned into the show before, we're all about giving everyday legends the opportunity to share their incredible stories, passions and lives. Now that you know what we're all about here, let's get started. Today's guest is Ethan Jolly. Ethan's 22, currently residing in Victoria and is a really great mental health advocate. We have a really insightful chat and I can't wait for you to hear it. G'day Ethan, thanks for coming onto the show. It's a pleasure to have you on. Uh, how, how you been, mate? It's been a fair while since we last chatted. Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. Um, what, like, well, my gap year, probably, like, when we finished high school, I think was the last time. We... Yeah, either way, it's yeah. been it's been too long. Um, for anyone that, that wasn't aware, Ethan and I were in the same year at school in wonderful old Horsham, and we've gone our, our separate <laughs> ways now, but um, still, you know, very. it's a big pleasure to have you on the show, someone that throughout school and, and what I've seen you do outside of school now that I, I really respect and admire what you've done. So it's a real a real pleasure to have you on. It's uh, it's my pleasure to, to yeah catch up with you again and, and have a have a good chat and, and um yeah just see where where it goes but yeah no it's it's been been a a massive journey since probably I left high school um of just like discovering what I really am passionate about and really want to do um in my life and and sort of yeah meeting new people and, and getting out of the bubble of Horsham as as much as Horsham is a, a great place to grow up um always good to kind of get out and, and see what else is out there yeah for sure i think you know as as much as horsham is as you said a great place to grow up it's it's really important to sort of push yourself out of those uh bubbles and those comfort zones and you really uh definitely learn a lot about yourself and and what you're interested in and passionate about and, and what sort of person that you want to be i suppose so yeah definitely moving mm. away from wherever you've grown up is is a great idea you're someone that um, you know. I really, I really respect and what you've been able to do, and you sort of. Um, I think you really sort of find your own path really well. Um, I mean, I don't think you you typically like to just do what everyone else is doing, which I completely uh, respect, and I wish I was more like it. Um, you know, you're really willing to take your own path and do something different. Um, I mean, what you what you're studying as well. You said. You're still in that teaching environment, as I am as well. I'm in the the primary teaching environment, but you're uh, you're doing secondary outdoor ed, so it's not a route a lot of people typically usually go down. I'm not sure how many uh, people there are in your course at uni, in your, in your cohort, but you're probably the only person from our year at school of forty odd that has gone through and studied outdoor ed. So uh, yeah, I really respect that mm-hmm. you've you've been able to to find your own path and not do something because your mates were doing it or, or something like that, which you can easily fall into. Absolutely. Yeah. And like, that's, that's the hard bit. Hey, like, you know, we're, we live in a society where, you know, we're, I guess, kind of shown that this is, this is the path of life that, you know, we, we go through high school, 
we finished high school, we're expected to kind of know what we want to do at the end of high school. And so, you know, we either go off and, and do a trade or go to uni. And then, you know, we, we graduate or we'll get that trade done. Um, and then we're, you know, kind of, I guess, expected to buy a house and have a mortgage, have a full-time job and, and then, you know, have a family and, and that's life, you know, but <laughs> I, I can't see <laughs> the point in that. Like it's, it's this treadmill of, of what society is telling us. And I mean, it's, it, it works for people, uh, for some people and, and hats off to them that, you know, they've found their joy and happiness within that, um, I guess that progress, but, you know, for a lot of people, it, it destroys them and you know being a an 18 year old um fella like you know you're not expected to really know what you want to do in life because there's so much change and and spend is thrown in the works and, and everything so i think school school puts a lot of pressure on on um on young people and and it is like we, we do have really great teachers that guide us but you know that the system in general, the bigger schooling system is so um, not working for a lot of people, um, a lot of the young people and, and a lot of lot of the issues are stemming from that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, there is a lot of pressure on, on young people to, as you said, figure out what you want to do and, and the pressure as well, I suppose, to really have it all sorted out very quickly. You know, you can have, yeah. an, I think it's perfectly fine to obviously firstly not have an idea of what you want to do. But if you do have the idea that, you know, you don't have to go to it straight away. You don't have to be graduated, I suppose, if you want to go down the uni study path by the time you're 22, 23. I mean, you've got, you know, there's no, there's no set uh, barrier, I suppose, where you have to have this finished by the time you're 25 or whatever. So... I think a lot of people definitely fall down that um, that path, which I have as well at times. It's super easy to. Oh, um, I have too, absolutely. Yeah, so, but it's something as well during, you know, my, my studies of teaching is that how, how can we as teachers, um, you know, we have these, ba- these binds to work within, I suppose, you know, the curriculum and, and the government um, sort of, you know, what they set and what they believe that students need to learn. Um, but I suppose it's on the teachers end of well, how do we make this applicable for a lot of kids and how do we really branch this out and give them as many different ways, I suppose, to get this as possible, um, which is a really difficult task. Um, you know, Absolutely. you're very time poor as, as a teacher and as an adult in general. So trying to figure out how to do that for uh, 25, potentially 30 very unique uh, young people is, is a very difficult task um, but yeah you said mm-hmm. that uh, so you're studying outdoor education uh, for anyone that isn't really aware of that do you want to give them a quick little rundown of, of what that entails yeah um, it's funny like through you know doing this course and, and reading a lot of the literature around outdoor education there's it's kind of hard to define and or have this one one definition i suppose but for me outdoor education is about um being outdoors in our natural environment um and that natural environment could be an urban environment um 
but it's it's essentially learning through being outdoors and connecting to to place and i think that's for me the the crucial bit that that connection to a local place um and you know um as as the western society has kind of formed we're we're so addicted to moving around and and traveling and and um you know traveling overseas and seeing all this all these areas but like how many people actually know their local backyard and, and know it intimately and i mean in our dread we we talk about and it's you know um indigenous societies all around the world and and particularly first nations australia's um really talk about it that you know um country country with a capital c is a living entity is is a, a living thing and so the the world we live in is thriving is alive and as humans we we often separate ourselves you know we put nature over there and then we put us here um and there's that segregation between the natural world and us and that's where so many so many complex issues um have stemmed from is is this segregation um is this connection and connection's massive um you know like i've i'm i'm still not not um i guess connected to to bendigo um but i feel way more at home in bendigo than i do in horsham but for some for, for some reason and i think that's because i have gotten to know this environment um on a, a more intimate level in some sense it's like gotten to know the 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 trees that are here um the grasses the dirt the soil the history um you know being um the gold mining history and a lot of the pastoral history pastoralism and then you know the jajarong indigenous history um and and everything and so i i feel connected to this landscape way more than i do horsham and every time i drive back into bendigo i'm like wow you know this this is home um and so for me that's what outdoor education is about it's about connecting reconnecting young people or people everyone in general because we all need reconnecting um to the natural world and to our local places um and you know our dread isn't perfect um and it, it actually is far from um achieving that goal um but um times are are constantly evolving and i, I mean you know we look back at how our dread program at school um like we we didn't go i think we went to rapley's maybe once yeah once we, i think yeah and then we went to briefly went to gary word or, or grampians um but all our trips were outside of horsham was like the snow and the Gunnell river um and uh, down in the Otways, like they weren't local and i i felt like i didn't know any of um horsham's history um so you know our dread is far from from being perfect um in that sense but it is at least getting people outdoors and and you know it's it's proven that we learn through um 
through being physical and, and through embodying whatever we're doing. Yeah, that's um, a really so. powerful response to that question. I mean, <laughs> it's it's great that you're clearly so passionate about outdoor ed. Um, I think it's. I don't think there's really any harm in becoming more any downside in becoming more connected to our environment um so i think it's really great that more people um hopefully through your your teaching as well that more and more people will become uh yeah in touch and connected and and feel a part of their local environment particularly you know as we're moving forward where that as you said is dwindling away so quickly um we have really really rich environments all around us i mean as you said the grampians are only an hour or two away so you know it's a really um a really spectacular place to go visit uh would you say that through covid uh you know spending more time at home i'm not sure whether you went back to horsham last year or not whether you stayed in bendigo but do you feel like that allowed you the chance as well to become even further connected as you know a lot of people have really thrived off those walks during your your two hours of exercise time or, or anything like that within your little 5k bubble do you feel like that's um, which is <laughs> ridiculous as I feel like feels like I'm in a different world saying that but um, do you feel like those opportunities allowed you to be be more connected to your area as well yeah absolutely I mean that was that was <laughs> one of the, um, the the benefits of that um, I guess you would, would say um, is you know we <laughs> Uh, and we could bang on about this forever, but like, you know, we were forced to to stay local and to be local and to not travel. Yeah. And, you know, at the moment we can't travel overseas. And so and we can't really travel interstate. So we're having to stay in our own state and stay in our own town. And, um, you know, I I did go back to, to Horsham um, at the start of the year um, and, yeah, that was amazing coming back to Horsham with a different perspective. Um, and, you know, in my first year of uni 2019, like I, I barely visited home. Um, I barely went home just purely because I was away on field trips so often. Um, so I, um, it was good to come back to Horsham with a different perspective and applying what I, had learnt and, and known and so yeah like you know in those those two hour windows of, of being out being out to exercise i went for so many bike rides and walks around um around the, the rimmer river um and really got to know that area and, and the, the flows of that area um and you know often it, it was it brought me a lot of joy actually being out and then seeing so many families out walking um, along along the Rimmer River and paddling in it or, um, you know, bike riding. And it was, it was getting people outdoors um, again. And, and I mean, you know, we all love walking. Like, well, I, I definitely do know so many people, I, I reckon, love walking where there's natural environments. Like, you know, it's so different to walking in the main street of Horsham. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Know, you wouldn't. You wouldn't just pick, oh, you know, mum, let's go for a walk in the main street of Horsham and not worry about it in their shops and just go for a walk. <laughs> like you'd rather pick the the natural environments like the river. Yeah. Um, and so that was, that was definitely amazing um, for me. 
to yeah, yeah to be home and, and reconnect with that place because um, I mean as as a, a teenager and I'm not sure if you felt the same but like I got kind of stuck in that mentality of I want to get out of Horsham and move away and um and Horsham's you know got nothing for me it's boring it's it's whatever like you, you kind of think of um it's actually a, a really unique place um and so coming back was a, a complete shift in mindset for me of what um what Horsham actually is yeah I mean I, I again I completely agree um you know as you are growing up here and I think you know it's not unique to Horsham but it's probably just a smaller country town thing as well but there is definitely some form of a lack of opportunity i suppose you know we're not definitely not getting a lot of uh the opportunity that uh is afforded to to places like ballarat and geelong and and bendigo i suppose these bigger country towns we probably won't lump melbourne in that in that group but um you know i so i I think that definitely does contribute to that um you know if you want to go study uni you do have to leave and those sorts of things so i think that does contribute to that a little bit but that definitely takes away from um, from, you know, from what Horsham has to offer as well, because I think, as you said, we are so, I want to get out of here, you know, let's get out, I need to leave to, to achieve anything. So I think it sort of definitely creates this environment um, of, yeah, it's just people that aren't particularly, and I obviously would imagine it would be similar, I can't speak for a lot of other country towns, but, you know, where it's this environment of people aren't necessarily content in Horsham, they're sort of, you know, trying to edge each other and get out. And so it, it makes yeah. for an interesting environment for sure. Um, but I'm glad that you're able to find some positives out of out of the COVID situation, particularly <laughs> in Victoria last year where it was pretty dire at some points. It was looking um, like we weren't going to get out of the pretty severe restrictions for a while. And as, as we're recording mm-hmm. this as well, I suppose we're, we're pretty much in the same slot as we were this time last year. So... Uh, it's yeah. definitely definitely been a, a big battle. Hey everyone, just jumping in the action here to give you all a content warning. For the remaining portion of the show, we discuss topics such as mental health, loneliness, suicide and battles with cancer diagnosis. If at any time this becomes too much for you, please take a break from listening and come back if you feel okay with the content. If you find yourself at any time identifying with any of the issues we discuss moving forward, I've attached links and contact information for resources such as Lifeline, Beyond Blue and Are You OK for you to access. Please use them if you feel the need. The DMs are always open on the page across all platforms if you need them as well. Enjoy the second portion of the show. You're very passionate about mental health and it's something that you really advocate for and that you've, you've done a lot to learn for others and, and, and provide resources for others that that they can use to better their mental health. What do you think the impact of COVID was on that last year? Holy shit. Um, yeah, it's... Big question. <laughs> massive, massive question, but a great, great question. Um, I think, and, you know, take what you will from from what I, what I say, and I'm no, no expert, but I definitely, definitely feel like... Um, there's this great book, and I haven't haven't fully read it, but um, it's called Lost Connections from uh, Johan Hari, and he talks about how um, before COVID, um, putting COVID aside, that 
we we weren't we didn't have a, a mental health pandemic or crisis we had a, a loneliness pandemic you know going back to what i was saying about you know being disconnected from from nature we're not just disconnected from nature we're disconnected from so many facets of life and i think covid really amplified and really brought to the surface a lot of a lot of those disconnections um, and really made apparent a lot of those disconnections i guess you know we we were forced and and still are you know right now we're we're in you know the restrictions and, and lockdown as well and we're forced to to stay inside to our or stay inside our, our property or our confinements and not uh not socialize and i mean human beings are um social beings where we're connected to everything and, and anything and um you know when we're forced to you know stay at home we we lose a lot of the connection to um, so many facets of our life, wherever it is, social or, or people or connection, disconnection from meaningful work, because so many people have had to stay at home and, and not work or work from home. And so that throws a whole nother spinner in the works and, you know, disconnection from our, our natural world um, and disconnection from so many aspects there. I think that rung true for a lot of people and, and unfortunately um, really made things worse um, and and you know we saw so many so many spikes in in a lot of um, mental health problems and you know even now there's like a six month waiting list to to go see a, um, a psychologist or psychiatrist um, or a counsellor. And, you know, my dad's currently working in, in the mental health services. Um, you know, he's had to, you know, stop taking on clients because there's just, he's got no no room in his week to, to see people and, and give the time and attention to people. So, you know, COVID really amplified a lot of that. And it's so, so sad um, to, to see that happening. But our, our politicians and our our people in power just aren't aren't getting this this idea of being disconnected and that you know yeah i mean it's it's a huge huge complex issue but for anyone out there i definitely do recommend like even listening to one of johan Hari's podcasts um i think the resilience project um hugh van karkenberg has a really good um interview with him um so i think like when I when I think of of mental health, um, I think of lo like loneliness or disconnection because you know mental health is just that that surface issue, that surface layer. You know we need to dig deeper to actually find the root cause of what that is, and um, a lot of people are just treating that surface issue, treating that mental health. So you know, they're being, people are being prescribed drugs. And I mean, there is a need for those, those, um, those roots of, um, of healing or roots of whatever, but it's not for everyone. And, and, um, 
you know, the it's yeah, we're we're just tri- um, putting a bandaid on on the big cut kind of. Well, thing. yeah, it's it's more reactive instead of proactive, I suppose, isn't it? We're we're yeah. reacting to an issue rather than trying right. to figure out what's causing that issue and and how to prevent that. So I think that's like you said, another another really powerful response to to the question. Um, and this disconnection is. Yes, yeah, such a difficult uh, issue for a lot of people at the moment. I know personally for myself, I mean, we're having so many virtual conversations, I suppose, when we sort of, particularly with these uh, with these snap lockdowns, is that when you come out of them, you, uh, at least for myself personally, I've, I've sort of had to check myself, I suppose, and I've had a bit of, I suppose... Um, not angst, but you know, it's difficult going back to those face-to-face conversations. Oh. It's it's a super. You don't realise sort of yeah what what those entail and what they take until you you're stripped of them. So it's mm. it's definitely a super um, yeah super difficult topic and and process to try and turn it around. Um, I mean, the inquiry into Victoria's mental health earlier this year, late last year, I forget when that was alone showed some some really damning evidence and yeah uh, some problems that, that we have to really work towards and fix so it's great to even have conversations like this one today and you know i think that in general i suppose we are sort of working i mean it's in the conversation now i suppose you know there's still a lot that needs to be you know needs to be done for it to really get where we want to be but you know it's in the conversation where five ten years ago 15 years ago that you weren't really talking about it like we are now. So hopefully that progression stays linear and, uh, you know, in another five, 10 years time, it's, it's something that, you know, people are extremely passionate and advocate, uh, advocate for on a much wider scale. So what, what, I mean, what pushed you in that direction? Did you have any particular experiences yourself that sort of really made you, I know that's sort of what has pushed me. Uh, I've always been aware of it, I suppose more, but you know, definitely personal experiences to myself. They sort of make you check yourself, as I said, and take a bigger uh, interest in your mental health and then that sort of naturally segues into into the topic as a whole. But what sort of pushed you in that direction of, of mental health and the advocacy for it? Yeah, this is a great question. It's something I, I always think about um, on a, um, a regular basis. And and I mean, the, the tipping point for me, and I... And I I've never, um, how do I word this? Like everyone, everyone has their own, own experiences and, and own trauma and hardships. And I, I mean, I probably was very privileged and fortunate that I had a, a pretty, pretty good upbringing, but there were, were times, you know, moments that kind of brought about a little bit of trauma, but the, the tipping point that really made me um, go down the route of, of learning more about mental health and um, what drove the idea for the podcast as well was um, I, my, my cousin, um, Benny J, he took his own life in 2018. Um, yeah, when I was in year 12 and that was massive um, for for our family, for his parents, for his sister, for my my grandparents, for for everyone that knew Ben. Um, it it hit home and it hit hard. And 
Um, I I remember um, the way I dealt with that was through <laughs> um, through catching up with Jezza or Jeremy Barber. Um, Jezza on, on a week, yeah, <laughs> um, on a on a weekly uh. basis, and we would we would just get in the car and uh, you know we I think we both had our licenses at that stage or I I definitely did and I think he was close to having his license and we would just get in the car it was probably you know every Friday night I reckon and we would just drive around Horsham and through driving around we would just chat and um and be open and, and honest about how we were going and it was a, a regular kind of catch up and, you know, we, we would go out to his, his shed and, and tinker, um, you know, with our hands on, on the cars or machinery and, and do random stuff. And, um, and we were talking the whole time and having, having conversations. And that's how I, how I, um, move, like dealt with that. Um, and instead of allowing um, Ben's death to bottle up inside of me, I was I was getting it out and, and talking um, and being being vulnerable uh, with a close mate of mine, and that was that was huge for me um, in in realizing the power that a conversation can have um, on on an individual, and I think you know. I, I've always been one to be vulnerable and to, to not be shy of sharing my, my emotions and feelings. And I, I definitely thank my parents and, and my grandparents for, for that. They've always, always encouraged it. And, and dad and mum have, have been a huge, um, like huge part of just asking how I'm going and, and, allowing me the space to open up um, and not bottle up the emotions. And, um, you know, whenever I had something go wrong at school or in life, we would just as a family and I, you know, I don't have any siblings. So we were quite tight, the three of us, and we would just chat um, and things would come out. So I, I had a, I was already introduced to that way of being um, in the world. Whereas, you know, my dad, um, you know, his, his generation, um, and, you know, he probably still does and, and, um, but he, he definitely role modeled the, the opening up and vulnerability in me, but he, he still probably, um, keeps a lot of emotions down, um, and, and in the body and that's not healthy for, for anyone. And that, um, that suppression of, of, whether it's anger, of fear, of trauma, um, guilt, whatever it may be, um, eventually builds up, builds up, builds up. And then if you don't have a way of getting it out of the body, then that's going to get the better of you. And that's, you know, so many, like, well, as, as men or as, as young boys, we're told to, to suck it up or to toughen up. Um, you know, when we fall over straight away, people are like, oh, don't cry, you know, um, get up and brush it off and keep going. And, you know, we're, we're taught from a young age to not, 
to not let those emotions get the better of us. And, um, and that's, that's not great. <laughs> um, for lack of a better word, <laughs> um, you know, not doing us any, any, um, and not, not helping us in any way. And it's so hard to fix that problem. And, and, you know, as I said, I'm very fortunate to have parents that role modeled that to me, but you know, there's like so many people that, that don't have that and, or that are, have, have been told to, to still suck it up, um, and keep, keep it inside. Um, especially, especially males, you know, um, it's, it's the ingrained stereotype that we need to need to act strong and, and provide for the family and, and, uh, not show weakness and vulnerability. Whereas vulnerability is actually strength. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, mm. it's, I, I can't speak to your experiences and, uh, you know, I'm really sorry for your loss and for your family that, that you went through that time. Um, you know, it's something that you wouldn't wish on anyone. So, um, but I suppose the positive out of that is it sounded like you all, you all dealt with it in a really positive way. Um, you know, you've raised some, some really, again, powerful, uh, ways to deal with that sort of, uh, trauma, you know, and, and how to deal with emotions and, you know, vulnerability is, is a really big, a big, um, you know, aspect of that. And that's a really great quote, you know, that vulnerability is, is strength. It's not being soft or, you know, anything like that. It, it takes a lot of courage to, to open yourself up to somebody else. So it sounds like you've all, you've all dealt with it in a really powerful way. And I mean, you know, just, just catching up with friends like that as well is, is, especially particularly for young people you know i think it's such a powerful way to do it just jumping in the car and going for a drive is is can do more than i think anyone would probably estimate so uh yeah. you know those are those are some really great ways to deal with that sort of uh, that sort of trauma you know how often do you um like i find it hard as well to to actually chat to mates about emotions and you know like how often do we as particularly, and I, and I mean, I am probably stereotyping here, but particularly as males, how often do we just like catch up and have banter and, and joke about things and not really get serious? And I mean, there is a time and place for banter and it's, it is, it is good um, and can be really healthy, but you know, we, we don't really dig any deep or don't really talk about that stuff. And I mean, I always, I, I struggled to, to pose those those questions of like you know and i mean there's the the cliche of how you're going um kind of question is like hey young man yeah not bad you know just just plodding along um and what about yourself like there's no real deeper level to that aspect there and, and we just kind of like brush it off to the side um but it's no fault of anyone's it's it's how society is has shaped the way we we are in the world yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I'll I'll link some some resources down in the show notes of um, ways you can go about that. Particularly, I suppose in a men's situation, as you've mentioned as well, that and in any situation, I shouldn't I suppose generalize it like that. Those mm. conversations for sure can be difficult to uh, to break into. I think you know once we're in there that it's it's not as bad, but. Um, going up to someone and, and asking, you know, trying to ask them 
how they're okay and I suppose a lot of people are anxious about you don't want to prod and pry too much into something that might be uh, you know pretty personal or things like that so I'll definitely link some stuff I love the um, the resources from are you okay today and, and beyond blue uh, as to how to mm-hmm. break into those conversations and um, you know because sometimes for a lot of people all you take is you know oh, I'm here for you like just those sort of how you're goings as you mentioned but in a lot of cases as well that you do need to prod a little bit deeper and um, I think finding appropriate ways to do that would, would definitely allow a lot more people to do it. I mean, the research is out there that like for, for males, you know, by doing doing an activity where it is kicking a footy or or driving or, or bike riding or walking, like that gets us in a comfortable space to then to open up, you know, instead of just sitting face to face, um, you know, and, and asking that question. So, I mean, yeah, the, the resources that you mentioned from Are You Okay and Beyond Blue go into into that kind of stuff as well, which is, is really handy to know. Yeah. I mean, I think and it's, and it's an interesting idea at the end of the day is that I've had some really powerful uh, and good conversations with people driving around in a car. I'm not sure what it is about that setting, and, and you mentioned it earlier as well, but I think just the constant... Maybe it's the constant change of scenery, the distraction of something. I'm, I'm not sure because I suppose with that as well that you could go down that you could say that you're sort of stuck in a car. But for some reason, I think I think it probably depends who you're with as well. But it, it, it feels like you're in a safe space almost, I suppose, where, you know, it's just you and that person and no one else can hear. And um, so, I don't know. It's it's a really interesting idea that, yeah, that that's, I mean, if, if you are you know if you're listening and you um you're trying to look for a way to break through that barrier i suppose with a mate that you you're concerned about um maybe just jump in the car with them and, and see what happens i mean worst case you just go for a drive for a while and, and that's it um obviously again should probably asterisk that do it at the moment depending on whether you're allowed to or not or, or what your restrictions say or whatever we don't want anyone breaking rules or anything like that but yeah um just yeah, just jump in the car, go for a drive. You know, it's it's can be a really powerful tool. I think so. It's yeah, it's it's an interesting idea. Uh, anyway, we'll, we'll we'll move on um, to another pretty uh, heavy uh, topic as well. Um, so twenty seventeen was year twelve, um, and um, yeah, you you had some pretty significant health battles. Do you want to have a chat about that? Yeah, yeah. Um... I think it was actually year 11, but 2017. Oh, okay. Sorry. I, My apologies. Was, no, no, you're right. Um, yeah, I, in, in June 2017, um, was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is a form of cancer that affects your lymphatic system. Um, and for those that don't know what the lymphatic system is, it's essentially the cleansing system of our body. So it removes... Um, a lot of the the toxins in our bodies and and gets them out of the out of our our body um, through you know various methods and so I yeah was um, was diagnosed with that and I the way I, I found out or came about that was um, it was it was so weird like I woke up one morning. And I couldn't, couldn't close my right armpit. 
um, because I had this massive bulge underneath my my right arm, and it was it was huge, um, kind of like you know a right. tennis ball, um, wow. probably half a tennis ball kind of size, wow. and I yeah it hurt to close my arm um and it wasn't there the night before um which was even stranger that you know i woke up in the morning and that was there and i was like this is this is not normal so straight away went to the doctor and um i was yeah had an amazing doctor that was very switched on and kind of didn't tell us what she thought it was but um, organized all these, these blood tests and organized a biopsy for it, thinking the worst case scenario. Um, and yeah, so that was like, you know, probably the start of the week. And by the end of the week, I was having a biopsy, um, of that bulge. So they, they took it out, um, and tested it and it came back as, as Hodgkin's lymphoma um stage oh no they, they couldn't they couldn't say what stage it was um they couldn't say where it was affecting the body but um yeah they so that was a friday and then monday i was down in ballarat um seeing my oncologist for the first time and that from monday to friday that week i was i was getting various tests you know um pet scans and ct scans and you know doing all this stuff and to kind of for them to find out where it was affecting and that's when they were like i've caught it very early stages so stage two which meant that it was just affecting my top half of the body like above my heart it kind of didn't spread into my my heart or my my digestive system it was it was contained um, in the upper body. And so I was very, very lucky in that sense that, you know, I, I wasn't, wasn't that ill and it hadn't spread, um, too far. And so by the end of that week on the Friday, I was having my first round of chemotherapy. So within a span of two weeks, I went from having a, a large bulge underneath my right arm to then having chemotherapy um yeah wow. and it was it was a massive whirlwind of emotions and unknown and, and lack of control um of of what what was actually going on and um yeah huge and um mum and dad were there for me right by my side the whole time and nan and pop and you know um all that and and yeah so then that was kind of like probably mid June, I reckon. And then the next six months I was, um, having chemotherapy treatment every two weeks, um, on a, on a Friday. And so I, yeah, would go down to Ballarat, um, and have, have treatment and then come back. And I found that the Sunday, the Saturday, Sunday, Monday, first three days after my treatment, I was definitely feeling quite yuck and, and ill. Um, and, but then I'd, I'd gradually um, pick up. And I mean, the benefit of being young was that my body was probably able to 
to pick up a little bit quicker. Um, and throughout that six months, I, I still, yeah, went to went to school every day except for, for treatment days. And I think that was a saving grace in a lot of ways for me. Um, yeah, I mean, you didn't, you didn't miss a beat. No, no. And I mean, I, I was staying, um, staying in the loop and staying connected. Um, you know, we spoke about disconnection before and I, I didn't isolate myself. I, um, yeah, found that being at school, even though I was probably not able to concentrate for, you know, the first couple of days or whatever, like it, it was a godsend because, um, yeah, I was still catching up with mates and, and, you know, I was very fortunate that, you know, at St. B's we had a pretty, pretty tight knit community, um, between teachers, students and all, all yeah, year levels. And absolutely. so I felt so supported throughout that whole, whole journey there from the St. B's community and the wider Horsham community as well. And, um, that was, that was huge knowing that, um, people were there there for me and to help me out and um yeah <laughs> no that's 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 great i mean yeah as i said you, you didn't miss a beat you had you know and as you said it was a pretty quick time span as well so yeah i can't speak to that experience and and i'm definitely uh, you know i definitely have a big deal of respect for you for pushing through that and i think a, a lesser people would have found that really difficult but yeah you know you didn't miss a beat and you had a lot on your plate at that time as well i mean being a school leader as well school captain you were during that time so you know, and you were still you were still working your role in that really well, and um, you know, a lot of stuff going on. So yeah, definitely a lot of respect to you um, f- for pushing through that, because um, you know it's it's something not a lot of people could do. Yeah, yeah, not wrong. It was a massive turning point in my life. Um, you know, I've done a lot of lot of reflection on it, a lot of journaling, and a lot of um, analyzing. Um, you know, all that, and it was, I think. A, a pivotal shift in my life because before being diagnosed, I was so um, so adamant in um, in joining the defence force and in um, in going down that career pathway. And um, you know, I, I had my you know I got stuck in as as we spoke about at the very start of this this conversation got stuck in that mentality of um planning my my life out um you know having a roadmap for for my entire life and I was you know kind of planning on leaving school joining the defense force and then you know working at various areas throughout Australia and overseas and and everything and when I was diagnosed that kind of all crumbled um and I guess that's when I, I realized I had no control over my life. Um, or yeah, probably, yeah, no, no control over, over that. And, um, you know, I guess I saw that as a, a sign from the universe saying that, you know, you're not, you're not meant to be going down this pathway. There's, you know, other, another pathway that you're meant to be going down. Um, and, you know, through, through year 12, I still tried to apply and get into the defense force, um, knowing full well that I'll probably get knocked back. And I did. And, um, you know, I didn't really, didn't really put pressure on myself to, to know what I wanted to do after year 12, despite not being able to go into the defense force. And, um, 
So I, um, yeah, took it as it came, I guess, and opportunities just arose where uh, I went into swim teaching full time um, and fell in love with, you know, that aspect of of working with young people and and um, educating them about a life skill and um, and I was like you know thinking oh you know this is this is what I really enjoy and and I put my my passions of all the subjects that I enjoyed at school which was outdoor and PE put that into to into the mix and was like oh you know I want to go down the outdoor and um, and PE pathway um which which is what I've done and and I'm sort of coming to the end of that and I've I've felt so alive and and at home in this this space and so um yeah I was like (laughs) um I'm just gonna bring this up because this is something a movie or a film I just watched recently go for it um called River Runners or the, the River Runners it's on Netflix it's a a kayaking um film but it is well worth the watch it has a lot of life lessons in it but um the the main character scott um he was he was um diagnosed with a brain tumor and he he said you know at that oh before being diagnosed he tried to control every aspect of his life and when he was diagnosed he he realized that he had no control over that and that he just had to surrender to the flow of life um, and really just show up with his heart. Um, and I think, you know, that's a massive lesson that I've learned is just surrendering to what life brings you and, you know, not being so, um, so convinced and driven that this is the path and you miss all these opportunities out there that, um, yeah, could take you in other directions. Um, you know, I think that's that's super important. So even though I'm, you know, going down the direction of being an outdoor and outdoor educator and physical educator, I, I'm still open to what what the possibilities are, and you know. Um, I will just see where, where this takes me um, and not being like, I'm going to go on and do this straight away or, or whatever. And just going with my gut and my heart at the time. Um, and I think that's, that's super important because it gives you so much liberty and freedom in knowing that. Yeah. I mean, you're bang on. I think you've shown some really great um, persistence and, and adaptability and flexibility and, and they're all really important qualities, I think, you know, to living a healthy life. And I think you're really aware mm. that, uh, you know, being really self-aware and aware as well that things aren't always going to probably work out the way you want them to and knowing, yeah, that that's mm-hmm. not, the, it's not the end of the world and that your world's not going to crumble, you know, just because this thing didn't work out as you were hoping it would, you know. So uh, being adaptable and, and flexible the way you have is, is a real credit to you, um, you know, to bounce back from... From all the experiences you know you've talked about today, it's it's a lot more than a lot of people have to deal with in their lives, particularly you know by before the time they're twenty two, twenty three. So, uh, well, I suppose you know earlier as well. I mean, you were seventeen, eighteen when a lot of these things uh, were happening. Yeah. So, you know, to deal with that as a young person is is a real credit to you. And I mean, 
you know, we, we live in a world right now where that control is completely stripped away from us. And, you know, I have definitely struggled um, with the, the snap lockdowns and coming in and out of lockdowns. Um, I've really felt my myself take on a lot of that um, societal trauma and, and, um, and drama, I, I guess, and have felt myself fall um like fall into that trap um and you know lost motivation to to do uni and and lost um confidence in what i in the path i was taking or or whatever that may be and last no not last night the the other night i um i sat down and opened up my journal i hadn't hadn't written in my journal for ages um and i was like this is what I wrote. I was saying lockdown is not being locked down. It is actually a chance to sit down and breathe. It is breathing space. Um, the space between the inhale and the exhale, the space full of nothing. It is silent. It is still, it is a chance to rest, recalibrate, rejuvenate and follow your heart's truth. And that is yeah just a reminder for me that you know right now like as much as we can try and control what we're going to do once we come out of lockdown we don't know whether that's actually going to become um true or or actually go ahead and so just being present in the now um and being being silent and still and allowing yourself to soak up what's going on right now for you is is so important um so yeah yeah i mean that's they're really incredible words um and i think that's probably a good message to end on today i mean we could talk for another hour or two really and, and we we probably should i think we should definitely organize another time to, to catch up and do another yeah, one of these absolutely because um, be yeah there's there's a lot that we could chat about um in the spaces that we've talked about today but i think that's probably best saved for another time so again it's been a pleasure having you on today mate i mean we've, we've covered some really heavy stuff and and you've been you've you know you've brunted through it and you've made it really engaging and uh interesting for the listeners at me. it's it's been a really uh, powerful hour or so of listening to to your experiences and how you've dealt with them and um you know you're a really great advocate for, for mental health and all these all these things you believe in so um, it's been a real pleasure having you on. Hey, the pleasure is mine. It's it's been so good to get back into the chair and um and yeah to to catch up with you and and um yeah definitely keen to have another another chat and and hash out some of the things. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, well, well, that'll do us for today, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Um, again, thanks to Ethan for for coming on, and I uh, will definitely do this again in the future. Really great to have Ethan on the show today. He's a really great guy and he's had some tough battles in his life, so it was great to have a chat with him and air him out. As always, if you like today's show, you can let us know on our socials or give us a review on Spotify or Apple Music. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'll see you next week.